0: Let's pray. Holy God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, your beautiful words. We ask that we be filled with them this morning, leading us on, directing us in your way, your path, your righteousness. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning today, we are starting a new sermon series on the Psalms. Now, we use Psalms all the time. As a matter of fact, most of our call to worship are from the Psalms. And yet, most of us probably don't know too much about the Psalms whatsoever. Very very little knowledge about them. So I want to do, before we actually get to Psalm 1, just give you a very brief context for what the Psalms actually are, a little bit about a background on them. So in Hebrew, the book of Psalms is actually called the Book of Praises. When you translate when it got translated into the Greek, it became Psalm. And why is the piece silent? I don't know, but it is. And when it got translated into Latin, it became Psalter. So if you ever heard the book of Psalter, that's the book of Psalms. Three different ways of saying the same thing. Now the, song, the Psalms were songs. As a matter of fact, the Greek one, the, the Greek says translation, a literal translation means a song sung to the accompaniment of stringed instruments. Well, we don't have the music anymore for them, do we? But we do have the words. And so the words are also Scripture for us, inspired by God. They were written by a number of different people, King David being the one mentioned the most, but there's also Solomon, there's Moses, and there's uh, the sons of Korah, and a couple of others that you wouldn't even know who they were. But they were collected over a couple of centuries into what we call the book of, uh, book of praises, or the Psalms. It's Actually, if you want to know, it's divided into five different books, which kind of reflect the first five books that Moses wrote, which is the first five books of the Bible. Okay, so there's history. For those who are history buffs, that's probably pretty interesting. For those who aren't, you're kind of like, okay, let's move on here. So let's move on, because they were never meant for just history. The Psalms aren't just about history, not at all. As a matter of fact, they are some of the most personal and emotional writing in all of the Bible. And there's a lot of different emotions, a lot of different personal things in there. There are hymns of praise. There are hymns of thanksgiving. But there's also hymns of lament. When people are so downcast, they're in darkness and despair. So you find that in there. You find some Psalms that really lay bare the full doubt and sin that we have as human beings. But for the most part, the Psalms also talk about the comfort and care of our loving, gracious God. I mean, you might not even know the Psalms, but I know, I bet you know this particular line. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know that one. It's from which psalm? 23rd, or also known as uh, the Lord is my shepherd, right? So you even know that. That's part of us. But the psalms can also be what's called messianic. By messianic, I mean they point to Jesus. Jesus even said this himself in Luke chapter 24. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In the New Testament, there are over 400 either quotes or allusions to the Psalms. Jesus used them. The apostles used them. They used them in their preaching. The the church sang those songs, the hymns of praise. So I hope you can understand how important these are. It's just not something from the Old Testament. They speak to us here and now. They fill us. They guide us. They are wonderful for devotions. They point us to Jesus. So now let's go to the first psalm itself. And even before we get to the, the text of the psalm, I want to spend a moment just on the title. Now in your Bible, a lot of the chapters, a lot of the sections, and a lot of the psalms have titles to them. By the way, these were added in later on. They were never part of the original text. But they are there to help us as the reader Get a framework and understand. And I think this one is very appropriate, this one, which is the title, The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked. I think it's very appropriate because it gives us a framework for the first psalm, which is really the gateway to the rest of them. And the way of the righteous and of the wicked speaks to the blessing of the righteous and also the judgment that is to be with the wicked. So there's blessing and judgment depending on which one you choose. And this is a theme that's also found throughout Scripture, right? And it's not just the Old Testament. Choose you this day is what Joshua said. Here's what Jesus said. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus says there's two gates. That's it. Two gates. One or the other. There aren't many gates that you can choose from. You can't make your own gate. There's either going to be the narrow gate, which leads to salvation or the wide gate, which leads to destruction. And by the way, that word destruction, there's an old-time word that's associated with it. It's called perdition. Anybody hear of that one? You ever hear about the road to perdition? That's what that means. It is ultimately hopeless damnation. The road to perdition. So, even Jesus said, there's two choices that you have before you. One is the way for the righteous, which leads to salvation and eternal life. And the other way, which is very broad, which is wide, which is where many people want, will go. Just by default, they go on that wide road, that wide gate that leads to perdition. So we're supposed to have some wisdom, right? And that's what this first psalm is all about. It is about the wisdom and about knowing what is righteous and what is wicked. So it is divided really between two things. Blessed is the man who does not, so in the negative. So there's blessings when you don't do things, and there's blessings when you do things. And we're going to start off here with blessed is the man who does not. So let's go to verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor in the seat of scoffers. Blessed. It's one of those churchy words, right? Oh, bless your heart. What they say in the South all the time, right? (laughs) When somebody makes a really bad mistake. Yeah, they're really clumsy. Bless his heart, right? But blessing, what does blessing actually mean? We covered this this past spring, if you were here, when we did the ministry of Jesus, because we actually covered some of the Beatitudes. Blessed, this is from Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. By the way, blessed are the meek, that goes back to one of the Psalms, by the way. So Jesus is even quoting the song, blessed are the meek. But what does blessed mean? We really don't think about it too much. Blessed or blessing is the pronouncement of God's favor. It's about his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness. His forgiveness. To be blessed by God is to have the assurance of his favor. So when it says blessed is the man, it means that there is God's favor upon this person. God's assurance of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness. So blessed is the man who does not. So, really, it's really simple. This psalm is really simple. Don't do this. Rather, do this. God's pretty simple for us, isn't he? I mean, we do the same thing with our kids when we raise them. We say, don't run in the hall with scissors, right? You know that one. Don't hit your brother or sister over the head with the bat. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Quit fighting. Play nice. I mean, we do that all the time, right? Don't do this. If you do this, you will incur my wrath, right? We, we get to do that. You will incur my wrath. Sorry, I'm just being a dad here for a moment. Or there's blessings. And sometimes, as our children grow... We even have to help them understand what it means to have good friends or friends that are not good friends, that are bad influences on them. And I don't know about you, but you might have had to have that conversation. Or you might have received that conversation too. We do that as parents because we love our children and we want them to go the way of the righteous. God does that as well. He says we are to choose our friends carefully. For example, Proverbs has a lot of these. Proverbs 13, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 22, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, or nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways And entangle yourself in a snare. Now I could go on, but you get the point, right? So this is truly wisdom for us here in this psalm. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There are three different groups that we find here. The wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. Although you could say that they're all just one group, right? But there is kind of a progression that goes with these. So you have the wicked, those who reject God's word, just plain out reject it, and do things that are against his word, his will. Sinners are the ones who are continually, habitually sinning. They are caught in the snare of that. And the scoffers are the ones who openly and outright mock God. So you see that there's a progression here. And blessed is the man who does not. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or take the wicked's advice. You do this all the time. Back in the 60s and 70s, the punchline to a joke was, and if you believe that, I've got land in... Florida, to sell to you, right? That was the punchline because there were scammers even back that We didn't call them scammers, but we called them con artists, right? They were conning you. Nowadays, we call them scammers. So, for example, if somebody with an East Indian accent calls and says, I am with the IRS. You are under investigation, and I need your social security number and your bank account. What do you do? Hang up, or you walk away, right? You don't walk in their counsel, you walk away from it. Or, depending on what mood you're in, and I've done this before, sometimes I share the gospel instead. You know, you take those opportunities. But we don't, right? Right? It's a good idea. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I, I need to email this out. Somebody's been uh, occasionally scamming my email, even though it's not for me. It looks like it's for me. If you get an email from me from me or looks like me that says urgent, and then the, the sentence is, I'm in a meeting, please call me, that's a scam. Okay, I've seen this with a number of things. So if you're suspicious about anything on your computer, Don't click on it. Walk away. Okay? But we get that all the time. And we become wise in those things because we have discernment. Discernment is the wisdom to be able to judge from one thing or another. What is good, what is bad. That's discernment. But I want to talk to you about something that is discernment. But it is lacking in much of the church in America. And it is spiritual discernment. What is spiritual discernment? It is the sound judgment which makes possible the distinguishing of good from evil and the recognition of God's right ways for His people. Now, you notice in there, it says the word judgment, right? Did you know as... A follower of Jesus Christ, you are to judge. I know the whole world says, well, you're just judging me. Well, look, we are to use judgment. We are to... If somebody's coming down the street, it's 110 degrees out, they've got a long overcoat on, a black hoodie over them, I'm going to judge. You know, because I, I, I have discernment, right? This is why we also have locks on our doors now, because this world has gone crazy. But spiritual discernment is as important or even more important than normal discernment. So we are actually told what to do. Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Gospel of John, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So not hypocritical judgment, but right or sound judgment. 1 John, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. We all have to exercise spiritual discernment, because there are a lot of people out there who are teaching and preaching false things. And you have to be warned about taking their counsel. So, for example, if somebody says, you know, God is love, so it really doesn't matter what you do as long as you love people. Should you take their counsel? No. That God is love, but he does care what you do with your life. Hence Psalm 1 even, right? Or what about a person who says, "Uh, it doesn't matter who you pray to as long as you pray to some higher being. Would you take their advice or would you walk away from that counsel? Or there are a lot of pastors, so-called pastors, who say, God just wants you to be happy and wealthy hmm, walk away. You have to have discernment. And how, what, what's the only way you can have discernment? To know what is real and what is counterfeit? It is by knowing his word. It's by knowing who Jesus is because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And how do we know his voice? Through his word. So blessed is the man who does not do that. And we're actually going to talk about this progression for just a minute. There's a downward progression of walking with the wicked, standing with sinners, and then sitting with the scoffers. So when you are walking with the wicked, it might start off innocently. You know, you're just with some people and they're saying, you know, it really doesn't matter if you go to church, does it? I mean, you can be a Christian without going to church, can't you? And the answer is yes, but we are also commanded to gather together. And there's something about gathering together that you cannot find any other way. But a lot of people say, oh, come on, let's just go golfing. Let's go fishing. I guess it's football season, right? There's probably some football games going on right now. So you kind of start with them. And then you start to really associate more closely with them. And you start to think, well, you know, it really doesn't matter if I pray. They, my, that, my neighbor who I hang out with, they seem to be doing just fine and dandy. They got all the money. They got all the things that they want in their world. I mean, why do I have to? I, and aren't Christians just narrow-minded? Can you see this downward progression? And ultimately, then, there are people who say, pfft. Why would you believe in Jesus? That's just a myth. His word, that's just made up by man. This happens. This happens more than you know. There was a a few years ago, there was a pastor who said, you know what, I'm going to try atheism for a year. Which like, really? I'm just going to check out atheism for a year. And what do you think the result was? He's an atheist. Right? That downward progression. Now, God also gives us a warning, right? He says, there's judgment that comes upon people who choose this path, who do these things. There's not blessing. There's a warning. There's a judgment. It says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's this word chaff. Chaff is actually the husk that goes around the seed, whether that's wheat or corn or anything else. It's something that needs to be separated from the thing that is good. And what's sobering is This judgment, this warning says that even in a congregation, there are chaff along with the good seed. And there's going to be a separation. So just by saying, I go to church, well, you might fool other people, but you're not fooling God because God says that he will separate them. John the Baptist said this of Jesus. His wind and wing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and gather his wheat in the barn. But the chaff, it will burn with unquenchable fire. I feel, you know, it's like telling your kids, "Look, if you do this, bad stuff's gonna happen." You want the you you want the the that part of Psalms summed up in that way. If you follow this, there's not blessing, bad stuff will happen. Oh, I can just hear my seminary teachers going, oh, you're kidding, you're just saying it that way? But yeah, that's the wisdom of this psalm. But if you actually follow God's word, there's blessing. Here's the blessing. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Delight, it's a wonderful word, isn't it? It's a delightful word, delight. It means a greater degree of pleasure or or enjoyment. It's akin to joy or rejoicing. You know, when you have somebody you haven't seen for a long time, they show up your doorstep, you're delighted in their presence. You are delighted with them. Well, blessed is the man, blessed is the person who is delighted in God's word. Psalm 119 says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Not the way of the wicked is my counselor, but I delight and take counsel in God's word. That's why we had that song this morning, Wonderful Words of Life. Sing them over again to me, Wonderful Words of Life. Let me more of their beauty see, Wonderful Words of Life. So we are to be delighted in his counsel. And we're supposed to meditate upon that word. Now, meditate is not this New Age or Eastern thing going, Oom, you know, and gazing at your navel. Try, <laughs> here's the hardest part, trying to sit cross-legged nowadays. You know, it's just like, but it's not that. To meditate is to ponder, to think about, to consider the implications of what you've been reading so you and i are to meditate upon god's word to think it through i'm going to give you three questions that will help you as you meditate <laughs> cuz i can i can just imagine somebody's meditating and they like mm. you know i was trying to meditate pastor but i couldn't quite make it so here's how to meditate Three questions: What does it say? Actually, read the words, read the context. What does it say? What does it mean? And so you might have to cross-reference a little bit. Right? What does it say? What does it mean? And then, how does it apply in my life? How am I going to apply that in my life? And I'm going to let you in on a secret. This is all I do as a pastor, in my preaching and teaching. Those three questions, what does it say, what does it mean, how does it apply to us? That's what we do. The questions are simple, but they will direct you, and it is rich in the outcome, not because of the questions, but because of God's Word. See, when you really dig into God's Word, there's a delight that comes, because you find out more of who He is. And his will. Jeremiah wrote this But let him who boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Look, when you meditate upon his word, you really are like that tree that is planted, that you are soaking up the life that comes from Christ Jesus. It says this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This tree has life in it. By the way, where do we find the tree of life? Where's the first book that we find the tree of life? Genesis and where is it mentioned also at the end in Revelation. So this tree in Genesis we were banned from that tree lest we live in sin and die, and live forever in sin away from God. But this tree comes back as this promise. From our reading in Genesis chapter 20 uh, Revelation chapter 22 then the angel showed me a river of water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street, the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. That's the promise for us, that we have life and life everlasting. But when you read Revelation chapter 22, notice where does that water come from that gives that life life to the tree of life? comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. And who's the Lamb? Jesus is the Lamb. That water comes from Jesus because he is himself the water of life. This is what it says, John chapter 7, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is that water. And when you are planted in his word, when you are abiding in Jesus and the life that comes from him, there is a bounty of fruit in your life, there is God's grace his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. And this fills your life. And the more you are planted in him, his word, the more delight you have in your life and the more blessing you have in your life. And that blessing just fills your cup to overflowing. Going back to Psalm 23, My cup overflows because you are planted, you are growing deep in him. This is the way of the righteous. This is the blessing that is before you this very day. So, for us this week, I've got a simple one for you. Make friends with brothers and sisters in Christ. I know a lot of us go out to brunch or some of us go out to brunch afterwards. Get together. Have that, I know, that churchy word, that fellowship. But strengthen those relationships. Just get to know each other ever more. That will be a blessing because now you're walking with somebody else who is in Christ. Spend time reading and meditating on the Psalms. Use those three questions that I gave you. And then finally, grow stronger, deeper roots of faith by abiding in Jesus and his word. This is the wisdom of the first psalm. Praise be to God. Amen.